Hey, great day. So before we get into today's podcast episode, I have a huge announcement. We are bringing back the Abundant CEO Private Practice Bootcamp. This is a three-day virtual party that I'm inviting all mental health therapists that either want a private practice in the next six to 12 months, or you already have had a private practice, maybe for the last year, five years, or even over a decade, but you want to understand wealth and cash flow in your company. You want to learn how to show up as a CEO and work more on your business versus in your business. Maybe you want to assess the health and the wealth of your current or future private practice to really see if you're on the right path to increasing your revenue, to growing your practice, maybe to streams of income later, or maybe even a group practice. Bottom line is you will walk away from this three-day bootcamp clarifying and understanding your niche, understanding how to show up as an abundant CEO, and most importantly, assessing the health of what you believe is a profitable private practice. So head down to the show notes and go to the link drtk.com forward slash links and sign up for the bootcamp. I'll see you there. Now let's head into the podcast episode. Hey, my name is Dr. TK, and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant mental health business tools to help you become the person you were meant to be. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 plus years into building a multi six-figure mental health business. My goal is to remove the employee mindset and replace it with an abundant CEO mindset. We will uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly of business ownership. I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapists Deserve Abundance Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prosperous Private Practice Bonus Day, also called hyper-intensive day. (laughs) So don't freak out if it said hyper-intensive. What I truly mean by that is we've been going strong, y'all, for five full days. Put a one in the comment box if you have attended any of the part of the five-day boot camp. We started on Monday actually going live, even though we've been in the Facebook doing other things, right? Um, Some people got access to that free course. A lot of people got access to that free course and are maneuvering through it. And I'm here to give y'all a bonus situation today, all right? So just to give you a rundown of what's about to happen is I'm going to talk about one particular topic that, ooh, hit home, when I first started talking about this two years ago at the end of 2020, and we'll get into clearly why I'm choosing to do it again, especially with the times that we are living in right now. Um, But I think it's a way for all mental health providers to reassess whether you are just starting out or you are seasoned or you already had a private practice, but you're still kind of new to the game. Today, we'll give you the ability to truly assess and lie time is your systems equipped for growth or for a flop? You feel me? And I say that because in 2020, it just felt like clients were dropping out of the sky. Clients were just showing up to our doorstep with money in terms of grant money, state money, all these things. And they were available via telehealth. So it was like a therapist's dream, we thought. And then burnout occurred. 
So put a two in the comment box if you experienced any level of burnout between March of 2020 to today, okay? Because even though people may not be banging down our doorstep or the telehealth platform to get therapy because they went into their new norm and they started to go back to work or go back to just what we would consider regular new life, right? It actually made us pause if you have a private practice because you realize that you didn't understand how to market. You didn't understand your business. You didn't even know you had one. You may have had a side hustle, okay? So we're going to talk about is your business pandemic-proof and recession-proof because I'm going to put them together. Heck, they've been back-to-back. Then I'm going to pull a small piece from the course portal and talk about how I want to share with you on a very transparent level of going through triumphs, going through obstacles. And I literally pulled these slides out two minutes ago, literally two minutes ago, because I started reading text messages that came through from yesterday, the um, abundance text that goes out. And what ended up happening is a lot of people were saying like, you know, do you, and one of my students actually spoke to this. She said, do you actually speak about triumph. So I do want to share something. I'm not going to put it on the screen because I don't want to reveal the student's name, but she's a student in DTA. Okay. So Dope Therapist Academy. So I wanted to read this to you all and I'm going to take some stuff out because I think it might hit home for some. Okay. And put a one in the comment box if with anything that I read, it resonates with a part of you. Okay. So she says, Hey doc, Um, She sent this at four o'clock yesterday, yesterday's session with fire. So she came to the boot camp um, and a good reminder of why I joined DTA. Is there a podcast on pushing through or remaining focused while life is lifing? I said, oh, that's that's good. But what she didn't know is that and you'll see this in her story. We actually covered that in like two DTA calls ago. Okay, we had a very raw conversation with me and the DTA coach and the students. So she said, if not, I'd like to submit a topic similar to that. I know we talk about it here and there, but I'd love to hear more about your experience while on bed rest and using that as fuel to still work out things. Um, You'll hear about the bed rest thing today. Not sure if anyone else in DTA has had testimonies, but I'd be willing to share either. I joined back in October 2021 after I already started my practice and winging things. I quickly found out why what you said is so true, quote, it's harder for people who already established a private practice because you are having to go back and redo and unlearn things, right? I was like, ooh, girl, come on. So she said, fast forward to now, my practice is better, but nowhere I hoped it to be. Admittedly, because of periods of burnout, procrastination, and dealing with my own mental health, I have an amazing therapist for myself, but life is still lifing. I wasn't prepared for the summer season and now I'm catching up. Oh, like I'm getting chills just reading this because like I read it this morning, but it just hit different. It just hit different. (laughs) Um, So she said, I'm also expecting our third baby blessing due in December, but also facing possible separation. I've been working on my mindset, but I'd be lying if I say it's easy to press to press through feeling like I'm running out of, I don't know why I'm about to cry, like feeling like I'm out of time before I deliver to generate an increase in income. This week, I've asked myself, what do I need to do to generate more income these next few months and be able to take time off? Because she's talking about motherhood. Sorry for the long message. Just wondering if we could have more dialogue and facing challenging times personally, professionally, all at once. So I responded to her and I told her that, um, you know, it's interesting that you say that. And and I'm very happy that you're a part of DTA and that you're grandfathered in because I need you to come back. I need you to find time to invest an hour or 
90 minutes into yourself when we start back in August. We'll be going for six weeks spread across like nine to 10 weeks. And I need you to commit to the process. I need you to actually just watch the replays if you can, um, because everybody's schedules is different. But at the end of the day, I had told her, I'm like, damn, like, it's crazy that you brought this topic up because we actually went deep, deep into this in DTA and it hit home. Like it will no strategy on that call about private practice, but it was the conversation that the therapist needed to talk about, not here, but talk about. And it started with somebody asking a question related to something like this. So um, with that said, actually, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna switch stuff up a little bit. Put a two in the comment box if you cool with me switching up what I'm gonna talk about first. I'm going to talk about the what she just said, because I think that it's clear people need to hear a little bit of that message. And it's not that long. And then I'm going to go into recession proof because it actually goes hand in hand. That's why I chose it. But I, don't know, I got teary eyed. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. I ain't sorry. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you read stuff out loud. Right. So let me go ahead and share the screen. So let's talk about becoming. And so this is more of like a, a personal journey. But again, if you feel any parts of this journey, I want you to talk back to me in a chat box, like put your thoughts, put a one, put emojis, put something. So I'm just going to take you back because this leads actually into the pandemic. OK, so when I think about me becoming who I am today, I always reflect on my journey. And sometimes when I'm doing workshops like these and I have to put things like pen to paper and make it a narrative, it really hits home in like a different way. So back to 2009, 2009 was the year that I graduated. Okay. So my acronym for believe is as follows. B is for the word believe. And that just means that you want to have an abundant mindset because abundant people believe that things that they want to happen are going to come to pass. Right. When you think about the word E, I think about N. Always start with the end goal in mind. So we did that when we started school. You have the end goal of graduating and you do. You have the end goal of getting licensure. You're working on it or you did. Um, C is for commitment. How can you take 100% responsibility for your actions? So is it that your business isn't growing or is it that you're not growing? Mm right? O is for outcome. Take ownership of the outcome. Do not externalize the blame. Over 18, you can't blame your mom or your daddy for not being in your life, right? You have to take ownership for what you want to change and make things happen. Get resources. If you don't have the money, ask yourself a higher quality question. What can I do to make this amount of money, specifically this amount of money, so I can get what I need? And then that's going to 10 or 20x my ROI. The M is for massive. Take massive action in every way possible. No excuses. Sometimes we call it hustle or grind mode. Sometimes when I'm doing things in my personal life or business, I am in hustle or grind mode. But there are times and seasons where I'm in abundance mode and I'm not working long hours. I'm not working and seeing multiple clients a week. I'm just in living mode. Okay. The E is for extraordinary. Be extra in your business, not just on social media. Stop trying to just be extra and sell stuff on social media because social media only represents 1% of your actual reality. So going into the narrative to relate to one of our students DM um, is after 2009, I realized the importance of investment. And we talked about that all throughout the five days. But I just want to show you how investing in your mindset and in your business financially and with time can pave the way for your level of success that you desire. So just looking at the acronym, the B for believe, I believe that I would be the best in everything I breathed on not just in mental health, everything I breathed on, whether it be my husband, my children, people around me, y'all feel my energy through the screen, I am sure, right? E is for N. I saw my life long ago that I see today. 
my first home was even on my vision board. And that was like a little cool, interesting, but a little creepy. Like, dang, yo, I drew, I've been drawing this same house since I was four years old. Well, not four, maybe six years old, waking up on Saturday mornings, watching Pee Wee Herman, if you get me telling my age in the 80s. But my mom would still be asleep. I would wake up, make me a bowl of cereal, very self-sufficient. And then I would be sitting there drawing my house. The only thing that was missing was the red, uh, the red door. You feel me? C is for commit. I showed up and I showed out every single time. I tell my students when I first start doing webinars or workshops like this, it'll be nobody that showed up. Sometimes it'll be one person that showed up and you would think that's a thousand damn people in the crowd. I don't care. I cover up the screen right now so that I don't see how many people it is because that doesn't matter to me. What matters is whoever is here and whoever will watch it on replay, they will get what I have no matter what. So stop focusing sometimes on the numbers that will actually taint like your little ego. Okay. See, um, let's see. O is for outcome. So if something did not go as expected, because this is where therapists get stuck, we overthink when we expect that we didn't spend all these years getting a license or getting prepared for licensure. You get all of these hours and then you go out here and build a business and you expect to get a damn client in seven days. Like how long did it take you to even prepare to be the expert as a therapist? And now you're expecting to be an expert as a CEO in a business that you've never learned how to do. You expect that just to drop on your doorstep in seven days, please. Right. M is for massive. No one will stand in my way. I was putting positive energy no matter what family or harvesting season chaos came my way because I'm in a harvesting season right now. I'm just choosing not to talk about it out loud until the harvesting season has passed. And I always put it on my podcast and or talk to my students about it. But what I'm telling you is I will let no one or no situation stand in my way. If I fall down, I'm getting back up. And that's the power of resilience. E is for extraordinary. I can wear Jordans and jeans or a dress and Louis Vuitton shoes, and I'm still gonna show up as the best version of me. So whether it's one outfit or the other, I know that I'm good at what I do. So this is what happened over my journey of 2009 into, I'm gonna say 2018, projecting out into now. So 2009, I accepted a position away from home again. What that means is that I graduated during the time of the market crash. No one wants to graduate with a doctorate degree and no one will hire you because they think you want 100K when we just want our damn postdoc hours. So I decided to move back up north from L.A. because I moved to L.A. to do my internship because I could not find a job. My medical insurance turned off and I just didn't know what to do. So I made a sacrifice. I moved back up north for approximately 10 months and I didn't know how long I was going to be up there. However, I started speaking on the side. I used my dissertation to get paid in the community at other mental health agencies to help them understand my dissertation topic because it applied to the audience that they serve. No excuses. I spoke my next job into existence with my salary, which was I will only move back to L.A. if it's for L.A. County Department of Mental Health because I knew that they paid the highest outside of working for a prison. Okay. So I realized at that time when I reflect, I'm not settling, hashtag patience, okay? So 2010, I accepted the 60K job um, back in the juvenile facilities, um, and I wasn't even licensed yet. As soon as I got licensed, they gave me a 20,000 bump in my pay raise, hallelujah, right? I had already purchased my first home as of 2011. So I gave 4.5 years to the juvenile justice system, working in the camp halls and in the community, and I felt like my life was calling, but I was unsure why, hashtag hard work. I did not stop for me at that time on the grind with making the life that I deserved in my head come to life. Okay. Um, 2012, I started my private practice just with a leap of faith. I didn't have not one bit of business experience outside of the one that I created for myself, really just taking a long time to build. 
2013 to 2018, I then opened up a group practice growing from my solo practice, generating a quarter of a million dollars a year consistently, hashtag learn how to invest. And I learned how to invest from generalists in terms of general marketing. But there were a lot of things clearly that I can't do that they telling me to do. So I had to learn how to build systems for a mental health business. And that's why my journey took me a few years with all of these mistakes. In 2014, I decided I need help. This is not working. So I requested to get help. I joined a mastermind. And that's when I realized you need to start before you're ready. Put a two in the comment box if you know you need to start before you're ready, because you're going to end up talking yourself out of your next level blessing simply because you're waiting for a magical thing to drop from the sky saying, ding dong, you ready. That's not going to happen. In 2016, I left my job, LA County, that was paying me $130,000. Baseline, $99,000, but I was grinding, I was traveling, I was living good, had my little Mercedes-Benz coupe, had a three-bedroom home all by myself at the time, recently divorced, living my best life, okay? However, okay, I decided to work overtime because I said, this is the perfect time. I ain't married, I ain't in no relationship, I ain't got no kids. My mindset, I'm very projected into the future. I said, when I get married again, yes, ladies, I was declaring it. Gentlemen, you can do it too. Okay, I declared that I was wifely material. I don't care what the hell happened in that last relationship. I am wifely material. This is who I was created to be. I am destined to be a wife, even though it's taking hell alone. But let me go ahead and have as much fun as possible before I choose to slow down just a little bit. Because when I say slow down a little bit, just because I've had a child don't mean we sit still, okay? So, and then 2016, met my husband. We got married within like a year and a half, had my great Hollywood wedding, um, had a blended family off the bat, had to learn how to be a mom off the bat. But I was trained clearly with at least working with boys, hell, had over a thousand of them. It's just, they were a different type, you know, in jail, but still developmental milestones ain't changed. You know what I'm saying? So in 2016, I ran into a fertility issue. Two months before I got married, they said, oh, you have a diagnosis. We need to do a biopsy. Okay. That was scary. It turned out, it turned out negative, but I need to do that thing every three to four years. Just had another one negative. Thank you, Jesus. Right. But I ended up having to have not one, but two surgeries to reconstruct my womanly area to be able to hold a child full term. Hence, at five months, I was taken off work because I was on what we would consider bed rest. Did I stop building my private practice? No. But what I did is I took the time out to invest in me. I had already made course investments, mastermind investments. And just because I couldn't go to the events doesn't mean that I'm going to talk my way out of my investment. Some of y'all, you make an investment and you can't make it to the live cause. And you sit there and tell yourself a narrative that, oh, I'm not going to be able to build my business because I can't go to the live call. Log your ass on a portal, watch the replay, write down the questions, go to the online community, ask the questions and get your needs met. Stop playing right? So in 2017, there was a prophetic word spoken over me two weeks after my second surgery. I received this message, but I was scared. And the message was, um, your business is going to be fully online. You are going to be able to have the business of your dreams. And this was March, 2017, right? I was not pregnant yet. However, in 2017, for the rest of the year, I focused on business growth. I joined that person's coaching program. My streams of income were moving. I was traveling. My manifestation for my son or baby at that time was made. And I learned how to hashtag give up the how, meaning I put what I wanted into the universe and I expected that I'm going to get what I deserve, but in divine timing. So in 2017, I went to that conference in March. By June, I found out I was pregnant. Okay, fire me up. All right. In 2017, like I said, I was also on bed rest at five months, meaning 
I believe that my bed rest happened for a reason. And you'll see why in a moment. 2018, sitting on the couch, had a little blended family chaos. I said, oh no, I need to understand this situation. So I decided to, and I had clients who were dealing with the same issues, particularly men. So I'm like, you need to learn how to advocate for yourself. I need to learn how to coach you according to parenting strategies. So my butt sat on the couch and got certified to be a parenting coach. Yes, I did through the LA County uh, court system. Okay. So I built a brand back then around that time. And I doubled my mental health therapy practice caseload while on the bed on bed rest. When you show up, when you can tell people your framework, when you can get on a consultation call and tell people why you are the best therapist to help them solve their problem, they ask chose to wait. They waited five to six months. And then, of course, I had to tell them ethically, if they had an emergency, you know, you need to find another therapist. But they waited. And when I went back to my practice, anybody who paused on treatment, some of them graduated, some of them came back. Some people decided to see me on telehealth back then, didn't even realize what breadcrumbs God was putting down for me to get prepared for what was about to happen three years later. Think about that. Bear rest, you low-key locked in your house. Put a one in the comment box if you are connecting the dots. I was being prepared for something that I didn't know was going to happen three years prior. But instead of me getting all bottled up and saying, oh, my God, God is working against me. He don't want to see me win. I just made a $24,000 in cash investment and I can't go to none of the live events. Please log your butt on the portal. Get the work done. Right. 2018. Oh, it wasn't over. Oh, your baby ain't want, he don't want to come out. You need to have an emergency C-section. Okay, can anything else like go bad at this point? But my decision was get him out of here because I need to save me and I need to save him. I can go through no damn two surgeries for us to have a situation, right? So C-section, baby was healthy. Then of course, after I got up on my feet, which was, I had a very good turnaround. Um, I was open for business. I was flying my son first class. I said, I'm going to fly you everywhere that you can fly for free in the first one and a half years. And then he got a little bit too big, right? So in 2018, up until now, I've had experienced nonstop manifestations. I'm very resilient. I've been resilient, but that experience took me at an all time high. Um, I realized over time that investing in myself is not an option. If I don't have the money, I'm going to go find the money. I'm going to figure out a way to make the money, or I'm going to do the numbers to see what do I need to sell? What, who do I need to see to pay for that? Everything for me is like a challenge. I'm a sports person, right? So I make everything a damn competition around here. Ask my family, okay? I built a mental health reintegration program. So I also want you to see this breadcrumb. While I'm sitting here giving four and a, four and a half years of my life to a population that I love as minors, and then I chose to leave the county because some other things happened that's downloaded in my podcast, right? I ended up having panic attacks. I chose to focus on my health. I left and I dove into my private practice full time and it was successful, right? I realized that when I went and built this reentry program for adults and transitional age youth coming out of jail, coming out of the prison system, I said, well, damn, all that experience that I had working in the system does serve this population because half of them, the recidivism rate is so high that they know exactly where I used to work. Some of them were my kids. And I'm like, it is not fun seeing you right now, right? So everything happens for a reason. So food for thought before we shift over into the recession and pandemic proof assessment. So get your pens ready. Food for thought, I shared this yesterday. It is already done. What you want, wants you to, and it's waiting on you. So be patient. In divine timing, your desires will show up. But my question to you is, are you ready to receive them, right? So I see in the chat, I see in the chat box people's comments, somebody said, I've been lazy, so motivating. Infertility is my biggest stressor, reason for depression at times. Listen, I feel it. 
but you got to figure out a way to be connected to the right people. For me, I tapped into my church. I requested a special prayer. And again, I went over that in a podcast episode, but one of the elders, she was a woman and she said, you know, I thought you were a psychologist. And I'm like, I am. And she said, well, you need to do whatever you do with your clients, because I know that you're good at what you do. What do you do with your clients? And I spit out those strategies. And she said, so it sounds like you're giving your clients faith. Why haven't you practiced it? I'm like, oh, you got me. I'm just trying to be a woman today, not a therapist, but I see it's part of the psychology. I got you, right? So put a two in the comment box if you enjoyed that intro into your recession pandemic-proof assessment. Now, also get your pen and paper ready and put a two in the comment box if you're ready to go. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in. Is your practice pandemic or social proof, uh, recession-proof, okay? So this is more engaging. We're gonna keep trucking along, but I want you to take note And some things I'm gonna have you put in the chat box, but take note of your responses and how you feel, okay? So we're gonna really talk about, are you running a marathon or a sprint? What I just shared with you was a whole damn marathon, but it prepared me for something in the future that I did not anticipate, but I'm glad that I went through it. So again, speaking to some people in the chat box, sometimes you see things as a barrier, but is it a barrier or is it preparation for something else? Because why? I got a C-section and I was stuck in the house again. Therefore, people had asked me, like, how did you last in 2020? I said, well, hell, I already been locked up, you know what I'm saying, for damn near a year. And so, like, that was my marathon. So let's define a sprint. A sprint is running very quickly, but the result is typically that the runner is out of breath if they are not in shape. Like, hello, can you walk up a flight of stairs? Right? So that is the definition of a sprint. It's very quick, but the result is that the runner, as soon as they hit the end goal, they're out of breath, especially if they're out of shape. When we look at a marathon, a marathon is defined as a longer route, and typically the runner has trained, has been trained to complete the marathon. So I haven't seen any marathon runner that just says, oh, yeah, I'm going to go run a marathon today unless you're a kid being dragged along for like a a special purpose run right throughout the year. And they say, just get your backpack, Johnny, and your bottle of water. We're going to take a little run and it ended up being like 5,000 miles, right? So a marathon is a longer route. So let's assess your business, aka your business mindset and your back office to see if you are currently running a sprint or a marathon, because we don't know when this uh, inflation situation is going to change. And if you don't think that it impacts you, let's think again, because it's like a snowball effect or like an onion peeling it back. The people who are going to be paying your fee, they may have a job. What if they don't like their job? What if they have to leave their job? What if they get laid off or fired from their job because their job had to close because their money wasn't in order? Oh, wait, you're impacted by that. People lost their jobs. They no longer have insurance. They got to pay out of pocket. They may not be able to do that either. So don't think, oh, I'm cool because I take insurances. You're not safe. Nobody is safe right now. You can create your own safety, but you got to have things in order in the back office, okay? So the results from this assessment will determine if your business is pandemic and now recession-proof beyond the current era of whenever that may last, okay? Because we don't even know when it's going to end. So let's go a little bit down memory lane for you because I just did a memory lane on me. So part one. Answer the following questions if you had a private practice before 2020. So this next part is only for people who had a private practice. Now, what I want you to do if you have, if you did not have a private practice in 2020, maybe you opened up in 2021, maybe you are still um, like unlicensed. I want you to pay attention to the comment box, okay? Because people's responses will tell you potentially what you don't want in your business. Like, oh my God, right? So number one, and answer these in the comment box. What was your client's caseload before March of 2020? What was your client's caseload before March of 2020? So I'll wait to see you all responding. And then I'm going to 
keep it going. Okay. What was your caseload before March of 2020? So we have different platforms. I see that some people are saying 15, 20, none. We got three. So we got some from Facebook. I don't like how Facebook don't give the names. Okay, there goes some more. Five clients in private practice while working part-time at an agency, 25 to 30, and 14 to 16 a week. Okay, we got some ordinaries coming in, 25. Okay, so next slide. So that's just a reflection. How did you increase and just keep, just keep the active learning gets your mind going. So even if you're still answering the first question, just stay on the trucking. Okay, how did you increase your caseload before 2020? So what did you do? Excuse me. What did you do before March of 2020 to get clients? What did you do? And put just key phrase words. Did you do speaking? Did you take just insurance and hoping they'll fall on your doorstep? Did you do nothing and you just have people? Um, did you speak at your church? Um, did you have clients and then you um, used word of mouth referrals? I'm just giving you some of the responses that previous people have given me based on how they used to get clients before clients dropped on our doorstep. Okay. So think about how you, what did you do to increase? And increase is underlined because some people didn't even think about an increase. They were just focusing on getting a person, right? So I worked in group practice and received referrals through them, okay? Therapy for Black girls, psychology today, and other directories. So some of you use directories. Okay, cool. Next question, what percentage, and if you don't know these answers, that's why people can't answer it, which is fine. That's my point. What percentage of your caseload reflected your ideal clients before March, 2020? So even for those who put it in the comment box or you have it on a sheet of paper, or for those of you who are new, this question is vitally important. Out of your entire caseload, how much of that caseload reflected your actual ideal client description? Because you can have a caseload of 25, but only five out of that 25 actually meets the need of who you really want to see. So what I'm seeing in the comment box is the number zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. That's very, very indicative of our inability to know how to market. What was, and if you feel in some type of way right now, even with opening up a practice right now, you're like, yo, I don't know how to do this. That's why you're here. Okay, so let me just put these on the box. Someone said, Brittany said, at the time, 75% of my description was them. That's good. Another individual said, my ideal client has changed a lot in the year. So even if they change, for example, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was seeing a mixture of transitional age youth and um, just individual adults. So even if I look at those two groups, right, then were those two groups showing up as the clients that I wanted to see? So for example, I may have said, I only want to see transitional age youth who are going to college, who are having transitional problems going to college, right? Was I just only accepting those or was I accepting anybody who was 16 to 25 who just had a problem? So even if you've went through phases, it doesn't matter when you were in that phase, were you true to what you wanted to do and who you wanted to serve is the question, right? To your capacity, was your caseload full before March? So clearly if you were at a zero, absolutely not. But for those of you who said 25 to 30, was your caseload full to you? Because also what I'm getting at is before March, some of your caseloads were full, but then some people got caught in the thirst trap and they were like, oh, I just need money, right? I just need clients. They're here and I can't say no. You can say no, because when you don't say no, you're actually hindering yourself from doing the things that you want to do with your time, right? So I see some no's in the comment box. So part two, 
answer the following questions if you opened or maintained a practice. So for those of you who had a practice before 2020, or you opened up a practice between 2020 and now, I want you to now engage with these questions, okay? So similar questions. What is your client's caseload between March of 2020? Actually, I'm gonna answer this one first. What was your caseload between March of 2020 to December of 2020? Because what some people have recognized is that before March, it may have been at 15. By December, it may have been at something dumb, like 30. And I'm not calling the caseload dumb. I'm just saying that, do you really need to see 30 people? If you're charging the right amount and you see the right clients, right? So what we notice is that in December, this contributed to therapist burnout because we were chasing money, not really chasing impact. Does that make sense? Okay. So some people were seeing 10. Okay. Did you notice a change in your caseload? Put a wire in. Did anybody experience a change in your caseload between January of this year until now? Wire in. Did you see a change in your caseload between January of this year until now, August 2022? I know in my community, absolutely yes. And that can contribute to graduation. It can contribute to you laying off a client because they ain't doing what they want to, what they are supposed to do. But it can also contribute to people not in a rush to come to therapy no more. And that's something that therapists have not sat down and really accepted. <laughs> okay. So something else to think about is what percentage of your current caseload, again, reflects your ideal clients. So you don't have to put this in the comment box, but I want you to ponder on that after this workshop. From the clients I currently have on my caseload, whether I see them weekly, bi-weekly, every three weeks or once a month or, or as needed, how many of those people in your EHR actually reflect your ideal clients? And you should know this by the number. Because how can you measure something? How can you help something grow if you don't measure it? You need a baseline, right? So to your capacity, something else to think about, is your caseload full? When I say to your capacity, some people have chosen to go over their capacity because of the thirst trap. I, I got to pay my bill, sis. I just, I got I to gotta pay. So I'm going to see everybody I can. But how can you show up as the best version of you and you're teaching clients how to do the same thing? If you can't even show up as the best version of you. Now, if you're not seeing clients to your capacity, that's a good sign. But I still, before you build, look at the clients that you have. If your caseload doesn't reflect your ideal client avatar, like 100% of them, that's the goal. Then you want to be very intentional about who you're attracting from today moving forward. Okay, because if you are aware that you definitely want your whole caseload to be your ideal client caseload, and it's very possible then that means you may need to slow down and speed up. And some people just want to run a sprint. So let's talk about vision. Do you know, so put a wire in in the comment, actually put a V in the comment box if your answer is yes. Do you know the vision for your business for the next five years? It doesn't have to be written down, but can, do you have you actually thought about like where you want your business to be by 2027? Do you want to grow into a group practice by then? It'd be, it'd be thriving, making a million dollars. Do you want to be on a speaker's kit, like a, a tour, and you only see like five clients at a time, right? You know, have you, do you, have you thought about your vision? And the reality of it is some people believe that they have because you're only thinking about the vision for tomorrow. You're only thinking about the vision for right now. And I see there's some Vs um, in the comment box, which means that you've taken it into consideration, which is great, Right. Also with vision, can you define in words your ideal client? 
So put a Y in the comment box if you can. If I ask you, put in the comment box a full description. Upload it to Facebook. Give me a full description of your ideal client beyond general demographics. Can you explain to me what their problem is in regular terminology without using DSM information? Because some people can, some people can't. Does that make you less than of a therapist and a business owner? Absolutely not. But when we talk about marketing, the general public doesn't understand affect. They don't understand counter-transference. They don't understand a lot of words that we use amongst each other. And you think you out here doing something by providing psychoeducation online. But if I ask you to dumb it down so that my 11-year-old can understand it upstairs because they're young, you can't. So when we talk about marketing and vision and building your practice over time, the marathon is included in you being able to dumb down how you talk to the general public. I'm only saying dumb down. That's what my kids say, like teenagers that I work with, like, can you dumb that down for me, miss? And that's when I realized that when I was even doing sessions, I would be so fired up about what we're talking about that I'll say things, but I'm happy to have savvy kids on my caseload back then that said, I don't understand what you just said. You know, and so they were like, can you dumb that down? And then that's where that came from. Right. But some people and some people from the comment box, you have it, but you need to fine tune it. So what does that mean? Continue to work on it. Don't stop. Okay. can you visualize your client right now? So this is another thing you want to think about. Let's just say you can, for the most part, create a client avatar. Can I now close my eyes and visualize the person? If I can't, you're not specific enough. So put a one in the comment box if you know you need to fine tune your ideal client avatar soon, because that avatar is the person that you're going to speak to on online directories. They're going to speak. You're going to speak to them on your website. You're going to speak to them when you're in front of an audience at a speaking engagement on a podcast because they need to know that you can solve their problem. So that means you need to be able to describe their problem in a way that they can understand it. Okay. So I see a lot of ones. So when you visualize your ideal client caseload, just to wrap up this section, you want to ask yourself, does the description and the visualization match the people on my caseload? And some of you, the answer will be yes. Some of you, the answer will be out like halfway, you know, and some of you, the answer would be no. But the reason why we talk about this as it relates to recession and pandemic is that we're talking about, can your business go beyond a global crash per se? Because when a global crash happens, people shut down. And if people shut down and you're in a human services field and you serve people, how do you expect to thrive when you don't know how to get in front of your audience? Does that make sense? So an ideal profitable practice is when you have a full caseload. This is our definition in our community. You can make up your own. But we believe that an ideal profitable practice is when you have a full caseload that reflects your ideal client description. I cannot tell you what the description should be about your client, but I can listen to it and say, I, I can't, I can't visualize them. I just, I just saw a random person sitting at a coffee shop. You know, I don't, I don't know anything about them. They got kids. Does that matter? Are they a certain ethnicity? Are they a certain SES? What do they do? And a good example would be if you were a fly on the wall and throughout their week of their life, what would you see them doing? You need to be able to describe them. Okay. So the pandemic money 
aka PPP loans, all these grants were great, but they don't predict your ability to effectively market your business. Put a two in a comment box if you understand that, because some clinicians, even in my community, blew up their caseload. But the only difference is, I will say, is because after they got money or their clients were able to come to them for free, they were very clear with the agencies that were sending them clients just because I'm accepting clients that will be paid for and I don't really have to bend the footwork for marketing doesn't mean that I'm not going to be strict with my ideal client avatar. So don't play yourself with grant money, government money, or insurance panels. You can update your avatar on insurance panels. That's a nugget for somebody listening right now because some of you, you ain't updated your insurance panel avatar since you joined and you've clarified your niche since then. So the goal is not just to fill your calendar with white spaces and just to get paid. That is not the goal. That should not be the goal. If that's your goal, that's going to lead to burnout. Instead, operate in alignment with the vision that you see on your vision board, even if it may take you a little while longer for your business or you will be building a side hustle. And my students, specifically Kelly and Brittany talked about that in terms of building a practice, not really aligned to a vision, but you're building a practice to something, right? And then you realize over time, this ain't what I pictured. I, I cool, I got money, but this isn't going to help me stay out of going back to my job, right? So don't, your goal should not be a side hustle. So let's look at quantum physics, because I did talk about that this week. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this may be your first introduction to Murphy's Law. So this is an example of it. People underestimate what they can do in 90 days and they overestimate what they can do in a year. So what tends to happen with individuals is that we give ourselves a container to get stuff done. If you give yourself a whole week to clean up the one bathroom in your house, you're going to clean it up at the end of the week. If you say, I'm going to get the bathroom clean by tonight, you're going to get it cleaned up by tonight. It's based off of laws of attraction and what you put out there is what you get back similar to a boomerang, okay? So when we talk about entrepreneurship and business ownership, what we're really addressing is freedom, aka time freedom, and making as much money as you humanly possibly can and desire to have. So how many hours a week do you want to work in your private practice? Put that in the comment box. How many hours a week do you want to work in your private practice? I didn't give you a time frame, just if we're um, if we're looking out in the future, how many hours do you want to work per week? And make sure that you're writing these down, okay? Next thing to think about, what do you need to get off your plate during the next five months? And the reason why it's five months is because it's August. We only got five months left, y'all, and we already damn near in September. So what do you need to get off your plate in the next five months to hit your hourly goal soon in terms of client hours equated to money and caseload. So let me just put some of these on the comment um, in the thing. So 30 to 35, if you were in DTA, I would challenge you all the way up and down the street um, because 30 to 35 is high for you carrying in people's shit. Sorry if you got kids sitting around, okay? 30 to 35 hours of you consuming people's baggage. And this does not include paperwork. This does not include consultations if you do them. This does not include hiring a team member. This doesn't include anything else that you have to do to build and or invest in your business. That's high, right? Am I saying that that's where you can you can't start there? You can, but I hope that your goal would be that needs to decrease immediately. Now, what contributes to decreasing those numbers is you understanding your value, looking at your pricing to see if it matches your value. 
If you need help with your value, then you get connected with the right people. And then also looking at where do your referrals come from? Are you saying yes to people who only pay you $25? Are you saying yes only to insurance panels that's paying you like a fifth grader gets paid for chores? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm making these, you know, jokes, but I'm dead ass serious. Like I've been there and these were my numbers. And I'm telling you straight up, it's going to be a volcano that's ready to erupt. Okay. So we have 10, we got 15, we got 20 hours, we got 12 to 15, we got 24, 20 to 25, 20, 15, 10 to 12, 18 max, uh, 14 to 16 max, 5 to 10. Come on now, 16, let's go. (laughs) Okay, so you can see there's a variation and some of that may differ based off of like who you serve and what else you do outside of private practice, right? So when you think about your hours, what do you need to get off your plate in the next five months so that you can hit that goal or maintain it? Okay. so how many hours a week do you currently work on your practice? So put this in the chat box. How many hours do you work on your practice? Okay. Okay. how many hours do you work on your practice? So we got I don't know if that's 15 for a caseload, but the numbers I'm sure will come. Okay. so 15, 20. So if we talk about working on your practice, this includes paperwork, bookkeeping, if you haven't hired anybody, doing consultations because you ain't getting paid for those yet. Unless you are, you can count those toward like your hourly pay. Um, but I really want you to like review this upcoming week. How many hours am I actually working on my business? Now, working on your business can also include if you invest in like a program like BTA, you have to carve out time to be a CEO. So CEOs design their business. They don't just work in it. Okay. So presently, someone said three to five, 15 to build it up. That's great because you don't have clients or have enough yet. I reduce hours at my current job to transition, um, probably five to seven, six to eight, just starting this week, a lot more than usual. Yeah, it can fluctuate based off of the season that you are in your practice. And get this, people who already have a private practice will also potentially work as much hours as someone who's new because they have to recalibrate their marketing strategy, right? So do you know how to hire people you need? What I'm speaking to, what we cover in BTA is like, do you know that you need an org chart in private practice? Do you know what seats are? I'm not going to discuss them here, but bottom line is you should not just be hiring people to clear out your email and do tasks. You should be hiring people, get them acclimated with your systems and then see where they show up that's best. And if you need help in that area, then you keep them on your team. If they don't, then you let them go of your team and you go find the right person. Okay. What would your business look like if you hired help, the right help right now? Some of you will feel relieved. So put a comment in the chat box, like a phrase or a word. What word comes to mind if you were to hire somebody and get some of those hours back? Now, one of the main reasons why we can't hire people is because you may say, I don't have the money to hire people. The only reason you don't have the money to hire people is because A, you're not thinking like a CEO. And then B, like I mentioned, you're not asking high quality questions. And a high quality question would be, if I have four clients, which one of these four clients that come to me weekly is going to pay for this person's salary? I mean, that's how I think, you know what I'm saying? And honestly, one client can pay for somebody's full four weeks, depending on how much you're paying them and what they're doing. So sometimes when we think about hiring, we think about full time with benefits, 401k, pension, all that stuff. And why can't you start part time? Why can't you hire a contractor initially? Because you may not even be sure of what you're hiring for until they get in there. And you may realize once you start delegating stuff off your plate, you have way more to delegate than you thought. Now, if you don't have anything to delegate, I would beg to differ that you got a trust problem. You got a control problem. And you want to say, I can wear the cap and I want to do everything myself. 
So I see that um, people are saying sign of relief, um, confusion, because I wouldn't know what else to do with myself. So yeah, when we are stuck with those thoughts, oh, we don't, we don't want to hire. So let me ask you, would you rather be stuck with your thoughts or would you rather be stuck on a yacht? <laughs> you feel me? I ain't even saying you want to go on the yacht. You may not even like water, but I'm just saying like, we got choices around here. Okay. Um, you feel supported. You feel trust. You can train them. You can transfer things off your plate. More time to invest in perfecting your niche or honestly perfecting your life. Hmm. Let's talk about that. Let's perfect that niche. Okay. So do you have, and th again, these are just reflection questions. Yes. Rather be stuck on the yachts. Okay. So do you have an onboarding process for new clients? That is very imperative. When you go to the doctor, they just don't say walk in the back. <laughs> they have a process. They send you a text and say, get there 15 minutes early. When you get there 15 minutes early, you got to stand in line, show your ID, show your card. If you go to like a major hospital, right? Then when you get in front of the receptionist person, um, they check your information, they collect payment, right? Then they give you a form to fill out if you need to get up to date or fill out some HIPAA information. Then you'll, you got to sit down for like 15, hell, maybe up to an hour, right? Then you get called to the back. Then you got to see for women, the LVN, CNA or registered nurse to like take your weight. Then you may have to go back out to the lobby. That's a system. Then you go into the weight room. Then they go set you up. They tell you to change and they leave and say, the doctor will be back. Then the doctor comes in. Then they take notes. Then they say, my nurse going to come back. Right. And give me your aftercare summary. Right. And then they leave. You go down to the pharmacy. Then you go home. How many steps was that? I didn't count. I was just going off the top of my head. But I'm just saying that had to be at least 10 damn steps. So do you have standard operating procedures that outlines how a client gets in front of you, starts therapy with you, maintains on your caseload, treatment plan, exit them out, exit plan, referrals? Do you have steps documented? That was like five steps, but that is not all the steps. Right. Is your onboarding process automated at least 75% because that's what we cover in the Dope Therapist Academy. We know that you will be part of some form of the consultation process, even if it is for now, the consultation itself. But that doesn't mean that you have to continue to be that person, nor do you have to set, nor do you have to like email clients and figure out their availability. Your EHR or system on your website can do that with your EHR. Okay. So a lot of people don't have an automated system, which is why you're taking a lot of time working on your business. And that is not moving the needle of your business because you're not making any money. So do you have an onboarding process for new staff? And you can engage with me through the chat box and put yes or no through these. Put how you feel right now about having all these things in place. Like, what the freak? Do you have an onboarding process for new staff? And is that automated? So automated meaning... I may have to go and push a button or I may have to tell one of my main team members to go and send these things to a new um, prospective team member, right? But all of that stuff is written out in a standard operating procedure in our project management system, which is different than a simple practice kind of thing. And then we give them a video, they follow all the steps and we just watch them do their onboarding process remotely on the computer. And then we set up a meeting with them on the first day, like Monday and on the last day of the week to check in and check out. Right. And then we do a rinse and repeat next week and we start training them for tasks. So automation does sound great. I have an SOP for clients, but not for staff because I am my own. So it's very imperative. Some of the reasons why we can't hire either is because we keep saying we got to create these things because you're scared to put somebody in a seat because you don't want to look unorganized nor feel unorganized. So this is the best thing to do get a list, do a time audit of the things that you do in your business on a weekly basis. Some of those things may be a monthly, a quarterly basis. If your goal is to eventually not do those things because you don't like it, it doesn't require your face or your voice, then those things still should have an SOP 
And I believe Angela spoke to this because once you do get the person or once you realize like, oh, I definitely need to like delegate out, you don't have to wait to then create the SOPs. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense. So again, are you getting in your own way or are you blaming the universe or something else for not hiring? We are in charge of hiring people. Okay. So sprint versus marathon. Let's talk about the recession and pandemic briefly. If the world's economy became stabilized, we good. And the increase for referrals or need for mental health decreased. Okay. Where would your referrals come from? This is food for thought. Once our nation stabilizes again, where would your referrals come from? Because they're still trickling from all of this government money, donation money through nonprofits. Some of you are through directories that give you free five sessions with clients, but clients need more than five sessions. They got trauma. They got complex trauma. So where are you getting your referrals from? Are you connecting with OBGYNs, doctors, dentists, children's doctors, pediatricians, schools, PTA meetings, principals, school psychologists, jobs? What are, what are you doing? If you say, I don't know, you got work to do, right? Can you predict your income over the next three months? Put a Y in the comment box. If you know right now, which means you ran your numbers, you know that you can predict your money for over the next three months. Because if you can't, that means that you don't know your caseload average. You don't know your money average. You don't know how much money you got cash flow coming in. You just see money hit your account and you might pay a bill or something. You may take all the money out and pay your bills because you're your own owner. You don't have a job. But you mean to tell me ain't no money left in your bank account? What, what's going to happen with taxes? What's going to happen when you need to pay your tax professional? What's going to happen when you need to pay for your malpractice insurance? Boo, you live in check to check. Like that's not a business owner, right? Can you predict your money for the next six months, for the next 12 months? We have a very simple but dope DTA calculator. It helps you look at your money from currently to one year from now to five years from now. You plug in in your information. We do got some bonuses coming up in DTA, but bottom line is we don't want any of our students to not understand their metrics because if you don't understand your metrics, you don't understand your money. And if you don't understand your money, you don't have a business. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense to you. If you don't understand your money, you're a nonprofit. And nonprofits don't end the year with money. I thought that people on here or people who are watching the recording later wanted a profit. Okay. So do you have a marketing plan? Again, how are you going to get clients in front of you? If you wanted to take time off, could you? Some of you, and it hurts my soul when my students say, I can't take off in December. Now, granted, if some of them just went in private practice, that makes sense. At least take off the week of Christmas to New Year, even if you don't celebrate it. Give yourself a break. Why? Because some of your clients want a damn break, but they scared to say it. Okay? Learn your client schedule. That's why you create the avatar. If you start recognizing that there is a constant dip every July in your practice, make July your vacation month. Put a two in a comment box if you're committed to looking at the pattern, whether you're just starting, so you got a heads up, or the people who can go back into simple practice of your EHR or in your reports. Go look at your lowest months and ask yourself, was it low because I was marketing and people weren't showing up? Was it low because I wasn't taking into, uh, uh, into account what I need to probably beef up on my marketing strategy because everybody ain't dropping on my doorstep? Or were you doing everything you humanly possibly can and people just don't want to do therapy during that month? Because if the latter is the case, then I would encourage you to make that your vacation month, just like a school year, right? To me, that's the best thing to do. And that way you can predict when you're taking off for a whole month. So do you delegate the task to someone else? So if you take time off, is your business set up where you can delegate things to a system and or a person? 
Can you delegate it to a system or a person? And if so, are those SOPs or individual with SOPs in place right now, meaning you've hired them? If the answer to one, just one of these is no, your business is not set up for automation. Okay. Of course, we ain't talked about training, but you got to train and onboard people. We talk about that in the delegation module in DTA. But you can't just throw somebody out there to the wolves and say, great luck. Like we have our team members work, work um, uh, watching right now from the launch for the launch. Right. I don't just say, oh, yeah, team member, go watch in the Facebook group and just uh, just watch and tell me what happened. Like, no, I gave her specific instructions. We have multiple meetings. We sent video instructions. We gave a list of instructions in the project management system. And then we asked her, does she have any questions? She has our Slack channel so that she can ask questions. And then it's not just me she asks questions to. She can ask a question to a team lead, right? Another thing to think about with delegation, especially if you want to take time off, is who is screening your calls? So I've had therapists in my community that swear up and down. Nobody can't screen their calls. They love screening their calls. Okay, just because you love it don't mean you should be doing it. I love creating Canva templates, but I didn't create these. Why? Because I'm focusing on nurturing my audience. I'm focused on showing up for the audience and answering their questions. I can sit down and create every single goddamn slide that you've seen. I've created the the formula for my slides, but then I trust that my team, when I train them, can take over what I teach them. So do you got trust issues? So if you're lost at this point, it's probably because any of the following. Um, You've been doing everything in your business yourself. You may be a floater. You are going with the flow in your business with no plan whatsoever. Hashtag riding the wave. You do therapy very well. Never knocking that. And you have been acting like a business owner, though. But you you really been just an entrepreneur, just like taking your employee mindset and putting it into your business. You don't want to admit that you need help. You, you got a cape complex or you, you got an ego complex and you may need to work that out in therapy. You are running a sprint. And what I'm telling you is when you run a sprint, you're going to get tired. Okay, so put a two in the comment box if you can identify with any of these. You're doing everything by yourself. You may be a floater. You go on with the flow. You do therapy well, but you acting like an employee in your business. Let's be real. You don't want to admit that you need help, or maybe you're acknowledging you need help, but you ain't willing to investigate help, or you just simply running a sprint. You're just trying to pay your bills. Okay. All right. Cool. So you must train to run the marathon. We talked about that in the definition of the marathon. You have to train. The coach will give you the tools. If you run in track, the coach will give you the tools of what to do when you practice and motivation required to prepare for the marathon. But you as the run person, the the, the team member, you have to follow the instructions the coach gives you. So you can't say, I want to join the team. I want to run a marathon. And then when a coach tell you, you need to do all these things, even when I'm not in your presence, you're like, I'm not doing that. That means you ain't trying to win. So let's get all the way real. How can we complete this sentence? What goes up must come exactly down, right? What goes up must come down. So if you want to train for the marathon, you should probably hire a marathon trainer. Somebody who just not trying to teach you a get rich quick scheme. Somebody who just not trying to teach you how to run one marathon to get one client to run one 100 yard dash. You need to hire a marathon trainer to so you can show up as the best version of you and get prepared while doing so. Exactly. We're trying to win. We will win. You've already won. You see how I just did that affirmation? We broke that all the way down. So let's be real. You can go on YouTube. If you're a marathon training person, right, you can go on YouTube right now. You can go Google how to train for a marathon. You can follow workouts. But over time, 
as you continue to go to YouTube, that will get boring. You're going to get lonely. And it's going to be very time consuming. This sound familiar? You will also get conflicting, conflicting information while wasting your time because whatever you're doing is not working no more because you don't have the skill set to know what video you should be watching to catapult you and push you to the next level, nor do you want to invest in the person. Time is wealth. Your time is money. If you don't think so, figure out how much you charge or how much you want to charge per client at the bare minimum, even though I know your time is worth $1,000 an hour. And I want you to ask yourself, if I'm sitting here Googling on YouTube for five hours and I'm getting conflicting information, I've wasted over 500 and something dollars already. And I've wasted it because you still stuck at where you started. So what will it be? You can either one, do nothing. Literally, just be where you are, taking information that I give you. It's transformational off top. That's why I do my boot camps like this. You can take some of this information and run. Will it build your entire practice? Absolutely not, <laughs> right? But you can do nothing. Or you can do the worksheets that I gave you in the boot camp. And you can try to build your business while wasting money an hour. Now, am I saying that the boot camp worksheets is wasting your money? No, because you're working on your business. They were strategically and intentionally plan for you to take action in your business right away, okay? You can choose to do this all by yourself. You can choose to tap out of our community, never show up on any of my lives anymore, don't listen to podcasts, don't engage with me on Instagram. You can just have your own little squad or you can do it by yourself. You can also go to some Facebook groups and ooh, put a one in the comment box if y'all can identify with this. You can go to Facebook groups and you can wait for the right answer by putting on the bottom of a thread, following or F, Boy, oh boy, I be laughing my little tush off when people say following and then I don't see not one damn answer, but everybody is following the thread. What does that tell you? You are in a group in which people are cool, but they may be at the same level as you or some of them will be the ones that are responding and the other ones, they're not available. So you're following people that can't teach you shit, okay? So number five, clearly, you can join us in the DTA crew. You can join us in the DTA crew. So your answer to these assessment questions should help you determine where you truly are in business, honestly, based off where you feel, okay? But here's um, one more thing that I just want to introduce. And here's one more, just in case you are still trying to figure out like, oh, should I join or should I not, right? Because you don't have to join. This is your, cho your choice. I'm not pressing nothing, <laughs> right? But just in case you're on the fence, let me just highlight. Does your vision match your current practice performance? Does where you want to go match where you are in terms of your path? Because some of y'all, the universe or God gave you path A as a vision and you on path Z. You just float. OK, so that wraps up the recession pandemic proof information. OK, I thank you for your time. You're very welcome. I will see some of you in DTA. So you all have a prosperous and abundant weekend. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Therapist Deserve Abundance podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but that flew by way too fast. So if you want more, head over to drtk.com for additional abundant resources. And if you are looking for a tribe of abundant therapists like yourself to bounce around ideas and tap into another level of business growth abundance, be sure to join our Facebook community exclusively for therapists. The link is waiting for you at drtk.com. Come.